Amen. Thank you, choir. That was great. I like those drums. Those drums, you got, I don't know where they were, but they were hidden in the background back there. But I like those drums. The choir did a great. And I appreciate Jeff. He, he accommodates me, and I change my sermons in the middle of the week and send him different songs that I'd like to be sung, and he just hangs in there. So I appreciate you, Jeff, and appreciate you. Uh, this has been a uh, long week for Susan and I had a, we had, I had a funeral on Wednesday and then had a wedding in Camden yesterday and then coming here and preaching to you guys. So it's been a long week and preparing for different things. And also, my wife has a birthday today. So um, she, <laughs> amen. She finally caught up with me. I had a younger woman, and now I'm leaving with an older woman. So I, I hope I can uh, handle that anyway. And uh, Leonard, I appreciate Leonard. Our class of uh, 1963 had, at Albert G. Parish High School, which was the greatest class that has ever been in Selma, Alabama. And they had a, a reunion yesterday, and so I appreciate our class. It meant a lot to me growing up in Selma, and I think I grew up in a time that really was a great, great time to grow up in this community. And so I appreciate all that's been inputs in our, even Miss Seymour. You know, remember Miss Seymour? That was the meanest woman I ever met in my life. She, anyway, we won't go into that with Leonard. Okay. All right, if you have your Bibles, uh, would you turn with me to John chapter 21? John chapter 21. We're in the afterglow of Easter, kind of in the afterglow of Easter. Uh, the resurrection is happening, but Peter's still struggling, and he's struggling tremendously. And he had denied Christ three times. And he denied Christ after he had said, I'll be there. You can count on me. And it was a broken promise that always leaves a bad memory. And his hurt is deep. And he's struggling with how to handle that. Uh, John writes of personal encounters with Jesus. And the first 11 chapters are about personal encounters. He said he could have written more, but he picked out these seven encounters in the first part of his uh, book. And he almost closed it in chapter 20. And he almost says, close you here. But then he said, you know, I got to write about what happened to Peter. So he includes this encounter of Peter and his breakfast with Jesus and how Jesus restored a man who had some deep hurts down deep inside of him. And those deep hurts can kind of run our lives. So Peter is brought back to Jesus. And he needed that. He needed that so much. And so often we just need, we avoid a Jesus encounter because we don't want him to go back to those places where we hurt so deep. But if you opened yourself up to him, you'll find he is gentle with those places. And he brings a renewed energy that only Jesus can bring to our life. What I want us to read is uh, starting in verse 15 of John chapter 21. And so this is the account of how Jesus and Peter have this conversation. And they needed that conversation. Maybe you're here today and you need a conversation with Jesus. 
to kind of sort things out and put a new priority and restore a place where you have gone dead in your life and you need to come back alive. So in honor of God's word, would you stand as we look, as I read for us from verse 15. Verse 15, so when they had dined, they had breakfast together, Jesus said to Simon Peter, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? Now, Peter had denied him three times. So Jesus begins with, and he had denied, he had, he had said in front of the disciples, everybody else may leave you, but I'll be there. And Peter had kind of overestimated himself. I can handle it. That'll never happen to me. And yet sin is an evil thing can then filter into those places where we think we're so confident. And sin has a way of breaking into our life. They ended up denying him three times. So Jesus is talking to him three times. He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, you know that I love you. And, but he's using a different word. The word there that Jesus used was agape. He's using phileo. That is a word that is less than full love. It's phileo. It's brotherly love. And he saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Because he's concerned about the sheep. And he saith unto him the third time, Simon, uh, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved. If you go down to the third, he was grieved. And I want you to look at that for a minute because that word grieve means there's this thing that's so deep inside of him. He doesn't let anybody see that. And there are some things that we push down so deep inside of us that still run our lives. But we hide them and we keep them down there. So Peter was grieved. And he said unto him, Lord, you know all things and you know that I phileo you. That's the best I can do. That's the best I can offer right now. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. May God bless the reading of his word, and you may be seated. Look back at uh, chapter 21, if you have your Bibles. There was a, a church that was raising funds for their building program. And um, so they offered this opportunity. Whoever gave the most money would be able to uh, pick out three hymns for the service. And so this lady who was not married, and she was getting on up in age. And so she gave the most money. And so the preacher called her up there at the podium and said, Now, you pick out the three hymns. And she said, I'll take him and him <laughs> and him. <laughs> now, that's bold. She didn't say just one. And... When the preacher had been preaching, she had been looking around and sizing up the situation that was there. But what I like about her is that boldness. That boldness. What, what Jesus preaches is that you don't back down with the gospel. You got to have boldness. 
And if this community is going to be one to Christ, if this church is going to be the church it ought to be, then it's going to have to have boldness. We can't back down because Satan comes on very strong. But Peter is hurt and he's kind of losing his boldness. And he's just backing down. He said, I'll go back to fishing. That's where I came from. That's what I know pretty good. So I'll just go back to fishing. And he still thought a lot of the Lord and planned to love the Lord, but there's this back down from the calling that God had given him, and it's just not as strong as it used to be. Because he's struggling inside him. Twice he'd been, Jesus had seen the disciples and even seen Peter after the resurrection. But there's something deep inside that just wouldn't be touched. And it's sometimes you have to go deeper with those kind of things. And you got to go deeper with Christ. I appreciate the man who used to preach here a long time ago, Dr. McCrumman. He, he uh, worked for him for five years. I don't know of a finer Christian man than Dr. McCrumman. And he, he was so stiff sometimes because he was so rigid. But every now and then he'd break down and tell me some of his stories. And I, I appreciate those stories. He was a preacher in Atmore before he came here at First Baptist Church. And he went on to Birmingham and then to Judson. But he, while he was in Atmore, he was counseling a lady who had just lost her husband. And they were looking for a place to kind of get away from everybody else. And it was a small house, and the only place that he could find was in the bathroom. So they went into the bathroom of this house, and, and she sat in a chair, and he sat on the toilet. Uh, this isn't going bad, so don't worry about that. I mean, don't. So he counseled with her and had prayer with her and everything like that. And so they were walking out of the room, and Dr. McCormick, just by habit, reached over and flushed the toilet. <laughs> now, there's a point in all this there, <laughs> somewhere in all this. <laughs> but. There's some things you can flush on the surface level and you can ask for forgiveness and you can find forgiveness. But there's some places so deep that you got to go deep with them. And Peter has to go deep. If he's going to be the man and leader that he ought to be of the first church as it comes out to make a global, not only go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the whole world. And he has to have that drive in his heart to push him. But now he's struggling with his own says He's ashamed. Uh, Jesus told him, you're going to deny me three times and the rooster will crow. And he went to a place that was like a, uh, the fire falling at a distance. There was a fire in the courtyard. And a little girl came up to him and said, you're one of his, and he denied him. There was a man that came up to him and said, you're one of his, and he, said, he denied him. And then he did what he said he would never do, and he found himself in a place that he had never, just denying him one time. It's one thing, and then denying him again, and then denying him again, that's deep. And broken promises will always leave bad memories that are buried down there deep. So he has to have more than just a surface flush. 
He's got to go deeper than that. So he appears to the disciples and Jesus recreates a scene that Peter had denied him. So if you have your Bibles, look and see in verse 1 of chapter 21. After these things, Jesus showed himself. And the word there means that he dawned upon him. He dawned upon him. He was a surprise. And in his resurrection appearance, he still listened to when we pray. He still speaks to us in the deepest part of our lives. And he still calls us in the service. But he will appear and disappear in different places. And all of a sudden, he shows up. But God ought to have a place in mine and your life where he surprises us. And I have seen him do that. All of a sudden, Jesus showed up. And it was a whole different method. Verse 2, it says that uh, in the Sea of, well, verse 1, in Tiberias, which is Sea of Galilee, Tiberias is the kind of largest city there. By the way, they got a McDonald's at, at Tiberias. If you ever want to go there, go to the McDonald's. They don't have a sausage biscuit. You'll have to bring your own sausage biscuit. But it's the Sea of Galilee. And they were the seven of them, and it lists the seven of them. Simon Peter and Thomas, that is called twin, and Nathaniel of Cana, and, and Jesus had done two miracles there in Cana. And the sons of Zebedee, which is James and John, they were two that had a terrible temper. Uh, they were known, Jesus called them the sons of thunder. And they would just blow up at hat. And later on, John becomes the disciple of love. That's how Jesus chained him. And Peter says, I'm going fishing. Now, fishing is not a bad thing. Can I hear an amen to that? Can you give me an amen to that? Uh, Susan and I love catching, or I do anyway, she tolerates it. We, we go catch redfish together and speckled trout. And I grew up with my dad uh, fishing farm ponds. And so I'm into a new area that I never grew up in catching those redfish and speckled trout. Um, so fishing is a good thing. I always heard that fishing is a jerk on one end who gets a jerk on another end. So <laughs> favorite sport there. But what's wrong with it? Nothing wrong with fishing. But he's going back to something he used to be. He's going back to that person that he didn't even like when he was there. But he's running away from where God wants him to be. And I don't know if you find yourself in that place today. So as they fished, it said they fished all night and didn't catch anything. And that's a long night. I've been there. And Jesus greets them, and he, the way he greets them is that uh, they didn't even know it was Jesus. And so he greets them by saying, um, guys, he calls to them from the shore, and he says, guys, have you caught anything? And they answered him with a big answer that said, no. Have you ever had that kind of answer? You ask uh, a person, I ask your wife, say, are you okay? No. <laughs> Is anything wrong? Nothing. 
So you know you got some work to do when you get those kind of answers. I mean, if you're going to get back in the house, you better go some flowers or something. You better go jewelry, maybe deeper than that. And you need to go deep here and get something. But all of a sudden, John recognized. You know what? That's Jesus. John had this kind of sensitivity that came out. He was the first one at the tomb, and he was the first one to believe. And then Peter went in. Peter has a hard time sometimes putting these things together. But when you're distanced from God, sometimes you just don't recognize things. And there's a sensitivity that's lost. So Jesus told him anyway to cast on the other side of the boat, and and they caught all these fish they couldn't even bring in the net. The net held all this that was holding. And so that's when John um, recognized it. So Jesus gives them an invitation. And I like this invitation that he says. He says, come and dine, verse 12. They come up to the shoreline that's there. Peter had already gotten ahead of everybody else. They pulled in all the fish. They even counted all the fish that were there. I think it was hundred and something fish. And he had a fire going. And in the fire, he had fish cooking on the fire. And he had bread. But the disciples didn't really kind of, is this really Jesus? I'm, I'm, I'm uh, having struggle with this. And you don't want to ask him if you're Jesus. And so there was a kind of silence in that moment. But what Jesus has done is recreated the fire where Peter had denied him three times. Puts it all together. You can see this self-disclosure working, and as the Lord works, he knows exactly those places to touch. And so he recreates that fire because he cares about Peter, and he cares about those who are struggling with deep things in their life, and they can't somehow get their, their heart around them, and that voice keeps telling them, how shameful they are and what they had let the Lord down. But he's about to lose his, his place. And he's about to sell it. And it is a dangerous place to be. He could have been this maybe one of these days. And I've seen people that said they could have been this, but somehow they let the Lord down or they let some kind of th th something come into their life and they settle for less than what God has for them. And it can happen. That's a terrible place to be. Um, there's a friend of mine who allowed us, uh, Susan and I, to uh, live in their, uh, stay in their condominium in the summertime. And uh, if any of you want to try that, that's a good thing to do. We're, we're available for that if any of you want. <laughs> And by the way, you go straight to heaven if you let the preacher and his family stay in your condominium. And I just want to throw that out. That's not biblical. That just kind of throws it out there. And, but we were staying in this condominium. I'd run on the beach, and uh, that was just a great time for us to get away. And um, went upstairs to go get a Gatorade and um, walked on the third floor where their apartment was in their condominium. 
and opened the door, walked in, went to the refrigerator, opened the refrigerator, and then the refrigerator was full of beer. And I thought, man, somebody really had a party here for some time. But I backed away and I realized I was in the wrong condominium. <laughs> and it dawned upon me. So what are you going to do next? Uh, I could see the headlines. Baptist pastor breaks into condominium and steals beer. <laughs> now, no matter what I said, it would never be. Nobody would ever believe me. No. So I backed away. I don't know if you've ever been in one of those places, but you say, oh, Lord, get me out of this somehow. So I backed away and... Nobody said anything, and I eased at that refrigerator door and walked out of there, and I said, Thank you, God, for saving me out of this situation. And I've seen people who have been in some kind of situation they should not have been in, and God brought them out of that situation. And you back away and how you see how dangerous it could have been. And you said, thank you, God. Because he can save us even in the worst kind of situation. So after breakfast was done, Jesus called Peter and three times, do you love me? Because he wanted to replace the voice that was ringing in his head. He wanted to replace that voice that told him how bad he was and how he had disappointed. And he wanted to replace him with the kind of voice that said, I love you. And I still got a place for you. And Peter comes out of that experience ready to be the leader of the disciples. And when he's a changed man, when he gets to Acts, he preaches in uh, 3,000 people who went to the Lord. There was this boldness that had been missing when the joy of his salvation was missing. Because when you got that joy in your heart of, of the Lord and walking in his restored you, there's this, I want to share it with anybody, whoever it is. Whether it's a 3,000 member congregation or people that are there, I want to tell them about what Jesus has done for me and what he can do for you. And there's a boldness that comes out of that that cannot be found anywhere else. And David said in Psalm 51, Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Because life can break in and steal our joy. And when you don't have joy in your salvation, there's this boldness that's just kind of missing. And you live with that voice that kind of tears you down and tells you, how can you be a disciple when you have done what you have done? Now, if you have your uh, hymnals, would you turn in your hymnals? And I, I've been to churches where hymnals have gotten obsolete. Hymn number 98, if you have your hymnals. That's going to be our um, invitational hymn. 
If you look at the bottom of that hymn, it was written by a man named Robert Robinson. Robert Robinson uh, was, grew up wild and crazy. He grew up in England in the time of the 1700s. But his mama passed away and his dad had a bar and so he grew up on the streets of England and just running wild and running crazy. And he went to a revival by a preacher named George Whitfield. And he went there with his friends to, to mock the preacher and to disrupt the, uh, the service and to be there just to tear it down. But George Whitfield was some kind of evangelist. And when he preached, that was the power of God that just came upon his preaching. And Robert Robinson was converted to Jesus Christ. And he wrote this hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. Tune my heart to sing thy praise. But over the years, he kind of drifted away from the Lord. If you don't keep doing those resources, if you don't stay with it, if you don't keep attending church, if you don't read your Bible, you don't use your prayer for resources and learn from other Christians who can restore each one of our times that the life kind of takes away from us. Sometimes it hurts and you wonder where the Lord was and why did he allow this to die and why did he allow this to happen? And it's a hard time sometimes and we kind of get angry inside of ourselves and he just drifted away from the Lord. He still thought the Lord was there. He just didn't have that kind of uh, joy that he used to have. So he was in a stagecoach one time, and there was a lady that was reading this hymn. And he, as she was reading that hymn, she said, that's such a great hymn. She didn't even know this uh, Robert Robinson. And she said, isn't that a great hymn? And he said, I, uh, I wrote that. She said, wow. And he said, I wish I could still sing it. But life has kind of taken away my song. And she looked at that verse. If you look at verse 1, and that second kind of stand, uh, that second line there, and she said, Streams of mercy never ceasing. And she said, Those streams of mercy never cease. And you know, the Lord took that and drove it to his heart. He repented of his ways. And he built himself afresh in the Lord. And the Lord kind of restored that power. God's zeal in the business of restoring Peter. And he's still in the business of giving second chances. Amen? Now look at the person next to you. Do they look like they need another chance? Just look at them. And you don't have to say anything. Just look at them. And now let's bow our heads for a minute. God, thank you for being here in the children's song. That was just beautiful. And Gina's um, children's sermon. 
And thank you for Mary playing and the choir singing and Jeff leading. All of that is for each one of us to have a personal encounter with the living Lord who delights in restoring people who kind of drifting in the wrong direction. So maybe you need a personal encounter today. Maybe you need for the Lord to say, you need to say to the Lord, restore unto me the joy of your salvation. It's become kind of routine sometimes and I want to go fishing or do something else. But help me to come back to you and make you that priority in my life. And let you do what only you can do in those deep places of my soul that need to be restored. Father, may we hear your voice speaking to us from the shore and say, go here, do this. I love you. I'll forgive you. We can make things right. We got a world to reach for Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now will you stand as Jeff comes to lead us?